from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. As everybody watched the Warriors stave off elimination, you could start to feel panic from Laker Nation. But not just because they lost a game 121 to 106, but maybe even more importantly, they watched one of their superstars go down and now everybody holds their breath to figure out what's next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're also on your smart speakers. You just got to ask him very nicely to play ESPN Radio. Uh, Harry, obviously, everybody was going to be watching last night. The Warriors, we knew you were going to get the best of the Warriors with their backs against the wall. The Warriors came out and they won convincingly 121-106 for the Lakers. But maybe even more important than the outcome of the game was an injury to Anthony Davis. This happened late in the game. Game when he was hit in the fourth quarter, he was hit in the head by the forearm of Kavon Looney. It was incidental uh, on a D'Angelo Russell uh, layup attempt, and all of a sudden you saw him reach for his face immediately. He left the game. Uh, he needed to be escorted away in a wheelchair for further evaluation, and after the game, Darvin Ham, Lakers coach, was asked for the latest on Anthony Davis. Hey, Darvin, what do you know about Anthony Davis at this point? Yeah, obviously everyone saw he took a shot to the head, but he got just checked in on him. He's doing, seems to be doing really good already. So that's just where it's at. That's the status of it right now. Do you know any next steps in terms of him talking to doctors? We just got done with the game, Mike. Now, Darvin didn't have the next steps there. Harry, I, I want you to jump in here, but real quick first, I want you to hear the next steps. Brian Windhorst told us this this morning on Get Up about the protocols and where we are right now. You know, this isn't just a matter of whether he's got an injury. It's a matter of whether he's got a concussion. And the Lakers obviously were feeling that he was improving last night, but every concussion is different. He's going to have to be monitored today. Sometimes symptoms don't present till the next day. The difficulty for the Lakers is if he has to enter the concussion protocol because of timing, because of symptom um, recovery, because of baseline um, procedures, he almost certainly would not be able to play in game six. And Game seven, a possible game seven would be in doubt. And so that's why it's so fragile. And it's not something that they can necessarily make a decision on last night. They have to wait to see how it goes today. Well, that's, see, that's the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to news today, Fitz, is because they have to wait to see how Anthony Davis is feeling this morning. Because uh, it's unfortunate what happened to him. It's unfortunate what happened to the Lakers. Uh, because Anthony Davis plays for that organization. But he took a shot to the temple inadvertently from Kavon Looney and immediately he grabbed his head and was bent over on the court. Now, when he was walking to the bench, when they were trying to get someone to sub him out, he stumbled a little bit. And then he looked a little woozy on the sidelines, squinting to the point of where he had to go back into um, a, a side room in, in the back of the arena and, you know, had to be placed in a wheelchair as well. So when it comes to head injuries, um, and things of that nature, you you want to take the proper precaution because you don't want a situation where, you know, Anthony Davis could potentially, not saying he has a concussion, but potentially could have a concussion and you don't, you know, treat it properly. I thought the Lakers organization did a great job of taking him out the ball game, taking him to the back to evaluate him to see what was going on and, and where he had his pain and, you know, his symptoms. 
But today is the key day to see how he's feeling waking up. But it's very, very unfortunate for Anthony Davis, number one, but also the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, there are a couple of things here that I think are important. Number one, you make such a great point about what we saw. Your eyes don't fool you on what you see in some sense when you see someone look woozy. But also, I want to stress that you and I aren't doctors. Nobody on this show is a doctor. So sometimes you can be woozy and have cobwebs, and and I'm going to trust doctors to figure out what that means for the concussion process of it, right? So I think part of the reason the Lakers as an organization are being relatively quiet, and we will update you as soon as we get any information, but – uh, it's quiet because right now it's 9 a.m. on the West Coast, right? Like, they're just now getting the opportunity to figure out how he's feeling today. And everybody wants to be question. Everybody wants to be careful because you don't want to put him in protocol unless he needs to be in protocol. But you also don't want to leave him out of protocol if he needs to be in protocol. Like right. this is all such a a narrow sort of road to walk and try and figure out. So I think right now. As weird as this sounds, if there's anything you and I have learned covering so much football over the years, is that the best thing we can be when we talk about concussions sometimes is patient, right? Just let's get the information from the doctors and the team, find out where we stand. Because if he is put into concussion protocol, in all likelihood, game six would be out. Game seven would be in question. And Harry, that raises the question. If you're the Lakers, you're looking around saying, man, I don't want to rush you back. I got to figure out if you're good. That's the most important thing. But also, how the hell are we going to win a game if we don't have AD out there? Well, I'll go ahead and be honest. If Anthony Davis isn't able to play in game six, I don't think the Lakers have any chance of winning that game. And that's with LeBron James being one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball or to pick up a basketball at the NBA level. One of, not to say the greatest fits, calm down just a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, Anthony Davis is so key to what they want to do, every, everything. Not just defensively, but you look on the offensive end, uh, his point presence, uh, or I say paint presence to be exact, and his dominance and getting and ones and rebounding the basketball. We've seen in the first game he had 30 and 23, right? 30 points and 23 rebounds. But also, I think the defensive presence on, on that side of the court, altering shots, getting the blocks, making, you know, the Warriors offensive players second guess going into the lane and, you know, a little hesitant. Those things are very, very valuable to the Los Angeles Lakers. And if you don't have an Anthony Davis out there, now a Steph Curry could take advantage of getting to the lane. Now a Gary Payton a second, a Wiggins and Draymond driving to the basket, being a playmaker and a facilitator. Now all those things are wide open now for the Golden State Warriors moving forward. So that's how key Anthony Davis is to this team. Well, and strangely, how key is all of this when it comes down to home court advantage in this series? Because as you pointed out yesterday when we were saying, hey, what's it mean if the Lakers lose this game? You, you pointed out yesterday, two of the last three games are in Golden State. Golden State shoots drastically better at home than on the road. I can't figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. Nobody can really answer the why it doesn't work on the road. But if you're the Lakers, you're looking at it saying, my God, this is also worst-case scenario because you would have to, in theory, you're going to have to win in L.A. or you're going to have to win in Golden State. The latter of those two is much more difficult if you're the Lakers, right? Like, Well, well, well here's the thing, though, Fitz, because when we talk about the Los Angeles Lakers from a big-picture standpoint, right, as you know, we've seen the odds of Vegas and them being tied, I think it was, what, Denver as the favorites? Or was it Philly to be the favorites to win the championship? Philly, I think, yeah. Well, well, guess what? Guess who is the main player they're basing that off of? Anthony Davis. So now when we micromanage it to this series alone, Anthony Davis, if he's not there for game six, I don't see the Lakers' chances, chances being, you know, high up. And then if we're potentially talking about if he's, if he's diagnosed, diagnosed with a uh, concussion – 
we talk about game seven. We don't know if he'll be able to play in that. So that's how serious this is. Number one, from a health standpoint for Anthony Davis, but also when you talk about being up 3-1 in a series, if you're the Lakers and losing game five, and now you're going back home for game six, potentially without your, 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 your main player in this game, because Anthony Davis has done everything in this series but then potentially game seven as well. So this this is huge. So producer Evan did a great job of correcting me there. It was They were tied with Denver at the best odds, uh, and that was at plus 300. What's amazing is that after the AD injury last night and the loss, now Denver sits at plus 300, which are the, the, the best odds to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia plus 340. The Lakers have dipped to plus 400. That tells you that that Vegas is uh, nervous, also. You know, and we. What does that mean? A lot of people ask in these situations. Well, what does that mean? That that means that right now, Vegas sportsbooks are looking at it and saying, "Man, I don't feel as good about this. Even if AD plays, I don't feel as good about it right now because we don't have any information yet. We don't know yet if he's in the concussion protocol. We don't know yet if he's going to be available. We may not know that for hours. So the odds already shifting tells you that Vegas, at the very least, is nervous, and that that in and of itself. Is a, is a statement. The Lakers and Celtics have the same odds to win the title, and the Celtics are one road loss away from being eliminated. So it's amazing how thin the line is between we believe in a team and we don't believe in a team in this year's playoffs. Oh, come on, man. With AD. They have a song and a movie about it. It's a thin line between love and hate, Fitz. <laughs> come on, man. They got a song and a movie about oh, it. Oh, let's go. That's amazing. <laughs> That's well done by you. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio, obviously. Tune in tonight as the Sixers host the Celtics. That's presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. If you're wondering what your games are tonight, you absolutely have to check out. You've got Celtics, Sixers. We'll get into that game later on throughout the course of this show. That's 7.30. The Celtics facing elimination. You've got the Nuggets taking on the Suns. That game's at 10 p.m. The Suns also surprisingly sitting here saying, man, all of this talk about KD could be for nothing. Mm -hmm. So tonight is a huge night on ESPN for the NBA. You will hear it uh, on ESPN Radio. You can watch it on the network, obviously. Okay, we've got a ton to break down, and the one thing I promise you is the second we get anything on Anthony Davis, you will hear it here first. In the meantime, the one thing that kept the defending champ season alive, we'll tell you what it was next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Curry, right corner three. It's good! Their first triple of the second half, and the Warriors now lead by 14 L.A. still leading the series 3-2 as we head south to Los Angeles for a sixth game on Friday night. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Turns, jump up, yes, and one. Wiggins ends up on his back. He'll get up, head to the line, and a chance for three. Curry, right corner three. It's good. Their first triple of the second half, and the Warriors now lead by 14. L.A. still leading the series 3-2 as we head south to Los Angeles for a sixth game on Friday night. If we can get out to a good start, I think we'll be in great shape and give ourselves a chance to come out with a win on the road.
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We need more expertise on the Warriors, and we're going to get it right now from Kalena Azabuki, the Warriors TV analyst. Uh, Kalena, really appreciate your time. We've had so many conversations about what works and doesn't work in this series. So for you, what worked for the Warriors in Game 5? Pick and roll with Steph. That seems to work pretty good. When they get Anthony Davis away from the basket, I'm assuming he's going to play. I think he's going to get more concussion tests later there. I don't know, but hopefully he's good to go because the Warriors want to walk him down with everybody fully healthy. So when they get Anthony Davis away from the basket, up in pick and rolls, whether he's guarding Draymond or, or guarding GP2, whoever it is, getting Steph in pick and rolls, they always get something good, and they, they don't end up taking tough, contested shots. And that's one thing about last night they did really well. Is the game was going on. They just continued to get good looks, and they weren't forcing anything. Their shot selection was much better, and they struggled with that a little bit in game four. So getting inside and just having more of a balanced attack with the spacing, that was really good for them. And, they got contributions from all over the place. Andrew Wiggins, I thought, was brilliant last night. Clay Thompson hasn't really been great other than game two. He's just kind of been hit or miss. That's what Steph said. And and so that's one thing I, I think about with the Warriors. They really haven't played their best basketball. Like They've outshot the Lakers from three-point range. But when they take care of the ball, they did that good enough. I think points off turnovers were equal last night. So that kind of canceled itself out. They got the second chance points. They won that. I, I really hope Looney is feeling better because his offensive rebounding and energy that he brings is great. And another thing that works to answer your question is when they push the tempo. Like They were pushing it like crazy last night. Draymond Green came out, guns blazing, super high energy. They all fed off his energy. And he really set the tone there just with his pace and ability to push the ball, get rebounds, and go or throw it up the court, let him attack in transition. Because when the Lakers get their defense set, they can be a little tough. Like There were times last night where the Lakers switching defense was giving the Warriors problems, and they weren't really getting great looks. But when the Warriors get out in transition, they get awesome looks. So they have to continue to push. And then obviously all the things that the Warriors have been trying to clean up all season, the turnovers, their bugaboo, like I already said, they, they did an okay job of that last night and then making sure they defensive rebound and, and defend without fouling. I think the free throws attempted were equal last night. So that's that's been one thing that the Lakers have done all season, get to the free throw line that they hope to do against the Warriors. And if the Warriors do those things well, they got a great chance of winning in seven. Well, I will tell you this. Klay Thompson has a nickname as Game 6 Clay, and he he got that nickname for a particular reason – because he's been lights out in a lot of game sixes that he's played in throughout his playoff career. What are your expectations tomorrow night for Klay Thompson? I expect him to play well. I just think when he's patient, when he's coming off of those pin downs and, and two jump at him and he's making that pocket pass, when he's not really trying to force it, because he can make the forced, tough, contested threes, contested jumpers. But when he really takes his time and, and takes what the defense gives him and doesn't try to force the issue too much too soon, kind of let the game come to him, that's when he's at his best. And I think he's going to call on that game six clay 
M.O. that he has and, and all the great memories he has from game sixes in the past to hopefully play well. But you can't just rely on that and go out and just take tough shots because the Lakers have shown they can contest at times, they can switch at times and, and give you some issues there. But Clay is going to continue to move without the ball, work on the defensive end if he can. I, I always say, like, get yourself going in the game. Just get your hand on the ball. Get a snatch a rebound. Figure out whatever you have to do to kind of get yourself going. Maybe get something going to the basket early instead of just trying to shoot a long one first. And Clay, back in the day, he used to talk about he loved going to the basket early just to see some go in. And that really helped him get his rhythm. He's not really a guy that gets fouled a ton, but even if he can get to the free throw line, driving in there every now and then, that helps. So that would be the way I'd approach it. If if I was him, obviously I'm not him, but Clay Thompson is is an amazing player, and I expect him to come out and be himself in game six. See, I think you hit it right on the head because it's a lot of shots that Clay or, or that he's taken over the last, I'll say, two or three games where I feel like they're being rushed and he might not be all the way square to the basket. And I remember when he was coming off those injuries, right, and he was struggling, you know, to put the ball in the basket, shooting from a long distance. Those were some of the things that were coming up, that he's rushing, he's not taking his time, and, you know, over anxious. I look at the first play that the, the Warriors ran last night to start the game to try to get Clay going, and it was down on the baseline on the left side, and he was so anxious to shoot the ball that he kind of bobbled it a little bit, and it kind of threw his timing off shooting it. So I think being patient, like you mentioned, not rushing his shot, but when he has the look, still take him, but letting the game come to him more so than forcing it. I think that's a good point. Yeah, that's it. I, I think the Warriors, they're, they're so good at shooting threes, and they rely on the three so much. Sometimes they can get three happy and – they don't mind taking some tough ones because they, they have the pride. They feel like they can make those. And I think that's what happened some with, with Clay in game four. Some of those shots he took, especially late in the game. There's the famous clip where he's shooting one. I think it's from the left side. And Coach Curry, you see his reaction. He's like, no, why that shot? Like, we've shown we don't have to take tough shots. We don't have to take these contested off-balance, off-weird, awkward platform shots. If we just stay patient and, and move the ball around, maybe someone breaks the paint, you create a long closeout, someone else can break the paint again, draw and kick, you get a good look. Like the Warriors have shown that they don't have to, to rush it and, and take those tough shots like the Lakers want them to take. Like the Warriors are so good shooting three. Sometimes as a defense, you just hope that you can make them work hard at least for it and not get these rhythm looks where you, you can almost – just start running back, you know it's going in. And in and, and game four, they kind of struggled with their shot selection, and that's that's been one of their issues all season. When they're struggling, especially on the road, when they're struggling with their shooting, they can start to rush it. They can start to get a little three happy, and, and it can be an issue, a little jump shot happy, not just threes. And so when Clay is kind of taking his time and, and just kind of reading the defense and seeing what the defense gives him, even if it's a pass, that really can set the tone for everybody else moving the ball and, and getting rhythm shots. Glenn, as always, man, I know you're slammed on a day like today. We really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks for hanging out and giving us some insights. Enjoy the game coming up tomorrow. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Kalena Azabuke, Warriors TV analyst, joining us on Spain and Fitz. Absolutely great stuff as we get you ready for the matchup. In the meantime, 
Was it the Lakers that took away their own biggest advantage in this series? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Warriors return home and survive a must-win Game 5. Now we head back to Los Angeles where they face a must-win once again. Will they survive? Game 6 of the Lakers and Warriors, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're spinning the feel-good hits today. This was this was a you know a passion project by Devin. Uh, Devin and Evan, the great guys behind the scenes. Uh, De- Devin put together a playlist together uh, today of songs just meant to like sort of get you feeling all happy, Dev? Yeah, I did. Evan Evan disagrees with this this song in particular. He didn't, doesn't like it. That Evan doesn't like this is, song. Is there a reason when, why, Evan? No, 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 no. All I said was when I heard Evan say "Feel Good uh, Thursday," you know, "Feel Good Classics." This song didn't come to mind at first. Ah, I, I mean, so that's all. I just didn't expect to hear the song. I just feel like so Sounds far, like you hate Abba. So, so far, everything <laughs> feels like it's right down the middle on the like you're having a pool party, summer, everybody's sitting around. This one's on. People are people are I, moving the shoulders to this. They're moving I, the shoulders. I thought we were off to a good start. With Stevie Wonder, and you know now, one for one, one and two. That's your opinion. Okay. okay. I mean, I don't know. But this that's one. just one man's opinion. L- 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 well, we're using man aggressively. I mean, it's one tiny child's opinion in there. That's what. That's why we love you guys. Uh, the, so you can always hit us up, by the way, with any uh, suggestions on these things. But uh, Devin, I like the creativity coming in with the playlist today. Yeah, it's dope. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, Love Friday, so we know where that one's going to go. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of conversation about last night and. Obviously, we all watched the Warriors dismantle the Lakers in a game that the Warriors uh, hopped out early. It got close, and then the Warriors basically made this whole thing uh, a non-story in the second half. They just absolutely get the big win. But what's interesting is when you look at the why, Harry, because on this show, if there's anything that I've learned in the way we work together, the number of times I feel like we are the inquisitive kid that comes in and says, yeah, but why, but why, but why? The thing of it is, though, there were some whys we were looking for. For example, yesterday we said, man, Clay's got to play better. He didn't, and the yep. Warriors still get a win. Like Some of the whys about last night particularly were curious when you look at how we got to this outcome. Well, I'll say when you look at it from the Lakers' standpoint, um, Anthony Davis had eight field goal attempts in the first quarter. At halftime, he had 12. He finished the game, I believe, with – 18, if I'm not mistaken? I think it was 16. It 16. Could be, yeah, I think it's 16. But my thing is, is that 
and I heard Stan Van Gundy during the broadcast say that Anthony Davis, you know, has these good first halves, but he doesn't have these, you know, prominent second halves. Well, I also think the Lakers need to be intentional on getting him the basketball in the second half. For some odd and apparent reason, they decided that they want to be a jump shooting team and do a lot of things on the perimeter with the advantages Anthony Davis being inside. He only had three field goal attempts in the third quarter. So that, that's an issue for me because time and time again on every network that you're listening to, people talk about the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis is the centerpiece of that conversation about how dominant, especially the last three games in game one, how he was in the paint, inside, and being consistent in scoring the basketball. So my mindset is if I know Anthony Davis has had a solid first half, why won't we do that in the second half and particularly in the third quarter as well? Like why would he only have three shot attempts and two of them he missed and then one he made in the third quarter? Yeah. If this is the guy that you have to play through. I, I totally hear you. I love your word intentional, right? Like one thing is who's dictating what to who. Like if your strategy is let's go out shoot the Warriors, you're not going to win a lot of those games, particularly in Golden State. To your point, exactly. we saw a lot of shots from the outside. And where else do we see an indication of that? We see an indication on that with the number of free throws. Like, the Lakers only had 15 free throws in the game. Uh, you're talking about wildly below their average throughout the course of this series, throughout the course of the playoffs, throughout the course of the season, because they were relying on jump shots, trying to shoot against the best jump shot and shot jump shooting team they could possibly face like this just felt like a recipe for disaster I I was watching the Lakers and just trying to figure out what they were trying to accomplish in that second half no I, I agree with you but I, I think it comes from the head coach also Anthony Davis needs to be more vocal in those regards too hey guys get me the ball inside I have the mismatches this entire series especially when he feels like he's not getting the touches that he deserves when the Lakers are coming down on the offensive end. I feel like he has to be more vocal in that. That That's something that you can't sit there and be quiet about. But also, that's Darvin Ham's job as a head coach to notice that and see that and also be intentional on in getting Anthony Davis the ball that much more when you're in the third quarter and particularly in the fourth quarter as well. And LeBron James, we all know the high IQ that LeBron James has. I think that's also something that LeBron James needs to notice and say, you know what, we got to get the ball to AD. Yeah, and it's all about what you're trying to accomplish because the Warriors came out with the very set game plan. Now, they were aided by turnovers. Yeah. I don't think any of us can deny that. But the Warriors were pushing, right? We saw the Warriors push pace, which you and I talked about earlier, uh, the AT-AT game, right, for all you Star Wars fans. How do you get all the Giants to tumble? Well, you mm -hmm. try and outrun them. And I, frankly, I don't know why this isn't just – in the first round, how, how did Memphis manage to get the games that they got? They got those games by running with pace. How do the Warriors manage it? By pushing pace. Don't let the Lakers get set in their defensive game plan. Try and push the ball constantly. They, they, the Warriors have found a little trick here uh, doing so much work uh, on Anthony Davis on screens in the half court. Like they, they have a plan, and when they execute the plan, it works really well. I don't know why. Like, I know I'm oversimplifying. I don't know why you don't <laughs> just do the damn thing every game because it well, works uh, when you do it. Well, Draymond Green yesterday, I, we got to tip our hat off to him because you talk about pushing a pace. That's one thing he did from the start of that basketball game last night was push to pace to the point to where he was getting open looks, 20 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. And when they're able to push to pace like that, I notice on numerous of occasions the Los Angeles Lakers tired and not running down the, uh, the basketball court full speed. But it also allows 
shooters to get free and have the ability to get wide open looks. And I love the fact that Draymond came out aggressive. And when he hit that first three, I believe it was Steph Curry that drove the lane and then uh, no, it was um, it was it was Gary Payton. The second, I believe, somebody passed the ball to Draymond at the top, and Draymond hit that first three. When I seen him hit that first three, I said, okay, now Draymond seen that first basket go in. He's going to be more aggressive. But I got news for Draymond. That just can't happen in game five. That has to happen in the next game two and game six because if you're pushing the pace and if you have an opportunity to hit these shots and make the shots, you've got to take them. Right. The, the worst thing you can do is have the shot and not take them. And the next thing you know, you're looking back if you lose a game and say, man, I wish I would have took it. Don't wish. Take it and then live with the results. That's been the maddening thing of this entire series. By the way, those are a couple of the th- things that we saw. Steve Kerr, Warriors head coach, also saw a great game from Andrew Wiggins. The best game Wiggs has played since he's been back, you know, over, I guess, three, three weeks or so now. Um, he uh, just his, the way he attacked, the way he got to the rim, um, that adds another dimension to our attack. I, I thought the last couple games uh, in LA, you know, we we just did, we didn't get to the line a ton. Um, we uh, we settled for a lot of a lot of stuff, and I, I thought Wiggs did a good job of, um, of really being aggressive. Ooh, you heard that? We didn't settle, and that's the thing for Golden State. Yes. None of us mind y'all shooting threes, but don't just settle. Yeah, and if Wiggins can bring that and Draymond can bring that, Lakers fans are going to be wildly nervous. For all of those performances last night, and some of them were spectacular, none of them were the best performance of the night. There was one NBA playoff performance for the ages. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Brunson foul on floater. Gets the balance. Brunson with 37. Knicks by six. Barrett drives. One to shoot. The runner. No. Slam follow. Isaiah Hardstein. Knicks by four. That's it. We're going to a game six. Friday in Miami. The Knicks season stays alive. We just came out to fight. and uh, We didn't get discouraged with a 10-point deficit in the first quarter. and uh, We just kept fighting. It is rare that you get to say the phrase all-time performance, maybe one of the best ever around a franchise like the New York Knicks. I've been tough on the Knicks for a long time. Y'all know that. But still, the history of the franchise is undeniable. And last night, for all of the great performance we, performances we've seen, we saw a historic one. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and there are just moments. Now, I will say, 
If there is anybody I have heard on any national radio show for the last several months defending one Jalen Brunson and saying, shut the hell up about anybody else, it has been my co-host, Harry Douglas. So I was smiling ear to ear last (laughs) night when I watched Brunson play 48 minutes, 48 minutes with nine boards, seven assists, 38 points in an epic we will not be done today. No, sir. Thank you, ma'am. We're going back to Miami performance by him for the Knicks in a win. And I just think Jalen Brunson fits, in my opinion, in my opinion, exemplifies everything that a New York Knickerbocker is supposed to be. He's tough-minded. You just mentioned he played every minute of that game last night. He's also only 26 years old. He better be able to play all those <laughs> minutes. At 26 years old, man, I, oh, Lord, I'm not going to bring it back up. I don't want you to strike me down. But Excuse at 26, me. I was doing some crazy stuff. Mm, you know no, what I mean? Oh, no, go it, on. No, I, oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. I don't want my wife's listening to. We work for Mickey Mouse. Yes. No. We, we, he meant long days at Disney but, World. Go ahead. But 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 man, you talk about a guy who's able to do it right from the three point line, off the dribble, in the paint, mid range game, and I think the most impressive for me, being six one, you don't find many guys the size of Jalen Brunson that can do it like with their back to the basket. It's a lot of times where he's putting defenders you know, on his back, and then he's going into what he wants to do offensively. But then he also has the awareness, if it's not there, to get the ball to the proper guy so they can hit an open shot. I just think he's so controlled. Um, He's never sped up, or the defense doesn't speed him up uh, on what he's trying to do offensively. And he's everything that New York Knicks fans – want in a point guard, right? This team has been starving for a point guard for the longest. And they got a guy in Jalen Brunson in in which his father played in the NBA. And you know how I feel about second-generational kids. I love them because they grew up around the game. They understand that the fame is not going to probably get to their mindset or their their heads. So they're going to go out there and put on a performance every chance that they get. So I love that from Jalen Brunson. But New York Knicks fans should be happy that they got him, and especially at the price that they got him at, because the way he's playing, I think he deserves more money. I feel like there there are so few opportunities where perfectly a franchise and a superstar get each other. Like, it just, it works. Yeah. And when we see it, that's what we have seen, I think, through a lot of Miami uh, and Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler has become sort of one with Miami, and obviously Jimmy Butler injured last night. Uh, he mm. played, he did his best through 43 minutes, but it, he looked like a shell of himself. But when I think of Jalen Brunson, it's not just the fact that, you know, his dad knows the organization or was part of the organization. It's not just the fact that he chose the Knicks. It feels like there's this opportunity for, like, a love language between Brunson and the Knicks together. And, you know, I know we've mentioned this before, but you know the Knicks better than so many people because your brother was drafted. Tony was drafted uh, by the Knicks. He played for the Like, you have an understanding of what it means to be there. I just felt like last night, as cheesy as this sounds, Jalen Brunson had an understanding of what that team was going to need, and he put it on, put him on his back. I mean, even just the one detail that that we we have crushed the Knicks for for days is how they've been out rebounded and out hustled. And last night they had fifty boards to Miami's thirty four. They were the faster team on the court. They cared yep. more on the court. They fired. They fought for every loose ball more. I like it. Just felt like this gritty 
energetic version of the Knicks that gives you that little little, little twinge of hope for the rest of this series. And I'll say, like, R.J. Barrett, I think he's coming along very, very well, um, c- coming into his own skin when it comes to, you know, the big stage and being able to perform at a high level. Had 26 points last night. Julius Randle took it upon himself to, to make sure he was a part of that. The three-day he hit before halftime was huge. He scored 24. But it's just little things from people like Hartenstein that comes in and give you the hustle plays and the rebounds you may need. Mitchell Robinson, when Miami's trying to foul him at the end of the game because he shoots free throws poorly, but making a, a great amount of those free throws. And also Quentin Grimes, who's you know playing through a shoulder injury right now, but toughing it out and, you know, playing defense, diving on the floor for loose balls, little things that don't show up in the score sheet. The, uh, the New York Knicks last night understood that their backs were, were against the wall, and they did everything possible to make sure they forced a game six. Now it's up to them to take it from there. Well, and Quentin Grimes, by the way, 48 minutes. Uh, and, and also, I will just take a second and remind oh, everybody. Oh, he, tw- he, tw- he 23. You know, Brunson's yeah. 26. He 23. <laughs> 23. So if, if we complain about, you know, guys' minutes at those ages, we just need to go to hell home. Yeah, that, that you are not wrong on it. And by the way, R.J. Barrett, who I think because we've been used to the brand of R.J. Barrett for so many years, we forget that R.J. Barrett's only 22 also. Like, this, yes. is, this is a young team. Tom Thibodeau, uh, the Knicks head coach, after the game had this to say about Jalen Brunson. Yeah, what, what can you say about the guy? He's just uh, incredible, you know, all-around player, great leader, great toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness, ability to think on his feet, ability to lead, ability to connect with people, to bring the best out of people. Uh, that's what makes him special, and it's play after play. Let me say this, though, because I don't think a lot of people understand. When your father is a coach on the team that you're playing for, I don't care what level it is, there's that much more pressure on you. Because, you know, somebody may do something and mess up, but being a coach's son, you're not allowed to really, right? So, so that's a different pressure on Jalen Brunson that I don't think a lot of people understand. See, I was a coach's son growing up, so I know that pressure. So I just want y'all to understand that he's performing at this level with his father over there because the last thing you want to do is disappoint the guy that introduced you to this great game of basketball. And also the guy on that... On top br- of being in New York. Yeah, the guy that brought you to the Knicks yep. and also got you paid. Like, there's so much pressure. According to ESPN Stats and Info, the last time Thibodeau played someone for an entire playoff game was Jimmy Butler in 2014 when both were in Chicago. So it just shows you... Uh, this is a little bit of what uh, what they look for. Uh, we will keep you updated, but coming up, if Anthony Davis can play in Game 6, which AD are we going to get? You'll want to hear what a future Hall of Famer has to say to that very question next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 